This episode of the podcast is brought to you by, you guessed it, that Sober Guy Meetings. Go to thatsoberguy.com, click on the Live Meetings tab, register for the next Sunday morning, live, online, 8 o'clock a.m. Pacific Time, support group recovery meeting. Also, check out That Sober Guy t-shirts and hoodies. Help support the operation. All funds raised go right back into this shit. Help to upgrade equipment, get a better sound, better guests, help more people find That Sober Guy podcast. The shirts and hoodies are pretty legit. They say, fuck drugs, keep your blood clean down below. I got to get 50 of them off. I think we've only got a couple of them off. Um, a couple few. I think we need two left uh, to to place the order. It's a pre-order. I think there's nine or ten days left. So help support the show. There's also the donate button. You can donate to the to uh, that sober guy podcast to the page. Like I said, all funds raised go back into the operation. Uh, I love doing this shit, and uh, I love all the support that we get. And uh, if you can't get a shirt, a hoodie, or hit the donate button, the best way you can support the show is leave us a rating on iTunes if you haven't already. A five-star rating on iTunes. Let us know what you think, and uh, that also goes back and helps more people find the podcast. I love it. So I have a very special guest today. A good friend of mine, Stony Moke, is going to join the show um, you've heard me talk or maybe you haven't, if you have, I have talked about, uh, Nick Trana before. Now, Nick Trana is the best, best-selling author, Danielle Steele's son. Uh, and Nick passed in 97 of a heroin overdose. Now, Nick was a huge influence of mine, uh, growing up. I think I was 14 or 15 when I first found his band link 80 friend of mine, Justin Coot, who's actually been on the podcast as well. Uh, had introduced me. He had the old record, the Link 80 record. And Link 80 uh, is, was a uh, punk rock and ska band from the San Francisco East Bay. And uh, Nick was the lead singer. And uh, he he uh, he died in 1997 of a heroin overdose. And uh, it really shocked the the punk rock community in the in the Bay Area and all over the world. As uh, Link Eighty was actually huge in uh, in Europe and all over on the other side of the globe. And uh, I'm bringing Stony on today to talk a little bit about that. Stony is a good friend of mine. Uh, we've known each other for quite a few years, and uh, he was the roadie first to Link Eighty. Later on, after Nick had passed. Uh, he, he sang, uh, he was a lead singer for link 80 for, for a year or two and, uh, and, and toured with them. And, um, I, I know it's funny. We haven't talked him and I really about a lot of this stuff about Nick before. I mean, I've asked him some questions here and there and we've just never really gotten into it. I think a couple of times in the car on the way home, we may have, we may have talked a little bit about it. Um, but Nick's anniversary is coming up on the on the 20th, so just um, on September 20th. And so I thought it'd be a, a really good idea to kind of revisit this, bring this back up, and bring some awareness uh, to, to this cause of addiction, and, uh, and, and it really takes lives of, of good people. Now, Danielle Steele, his mom, wrote a book. It's called His Bright Light, and it's a, it's a really, really great book. It really talks about what kind of person Nick was and uh, some of the things that he struggled with. Uh, I believe he was a manic depressant and uh, uh, struggled with anxiety and obviously uh, addiction. 
So I'm really looking forward to talking to Stoney about this. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Go check out some of Nick's music. I'm going to play a little sampler here that I put together of some Link 80 and Knowledge. Knowledge was the band that Nick put together right before he died. And the the, the title of that is A Gift Before I Go. And uh, I'm going to cut in a few of these little tracks. So I hope you enjoy the show today. Without further ado, here's some Knowledge, some Link 80, followed by Stoney Moak. We're talking with Stony Moke today, a good friend of mine. Stony, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, brother? I'm good. Nice to talk to you, my friend. It's been a minute. I know you. Uh, I know you're down in, in LA right now, working your ass off. How you been? Uh, like you said, bro, I've been busy as shit. It's been a crazy, crazy summer. To like, it seems like every day there's stuff going on. So doing that transition into uh, doing production been a crazy uh little changeover for me from how busy it really is and if i age anymore you know what i mean it's just kind of <laughs> made me realize how old i really am dude i know so, man we're getting old no, it's been good yeah but it's good bro it's been good and that's good well, that's good. It's uh, it's it's good to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time to uh, to join us today. And uh, we're we're gonna talk about. Nick Trainer today. Nick Nick's uh, anniversary of his passing is coming up on September twentieth, and uh, you were well. Let's let's first let's let's talk about Nick a little bit. Um, Nick is is the son of uh, of writer Danielle Steele. 
He's also the lead singer for the band Link 80 and then went on to to form the project Knowledge. And uh, and Nick unfortunately passed away of a heroin overdose in 1997 at the age of 19. Uh, so we're 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 kind of revisiting this today and talking about addiction and um and how it it really steals the soul and the lives of our friends, our family, and and the people that we care about. And um, I thought it'd be great to have you on the show today. Uh, number one, a, a a good friend of mine, and number two, you were the roadie for Link Eighty. And uh, also, after Nick passed, you went on to uh, to be the lead singer. Um, so I, I kind of let's let's start here. I want to read this this article. Um, this comes out of the SF Gate, September twenty third, nineteen ninety seven. This is by Sandra Ann Harris, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read this first paragraph. Um, the title headline is "Paramedics Save Steel's Son Twice." Twice before, paramedics had been called to Nick Traina's studio apartment because the teenage musician overdosed on heroin. But Saturday morning was different. This time, Traina's body was already cold. The drug that had plagued the boy's life since birth apparently had taken his life at age 19. The son of best-selling romance novelist Danielle Steele, Nick had been adopted by her fourth husband, John Traina, after a judge nullified the parental rights of his biological father, Bill Toth, who was waged who has waged a decades long struggle against heroin addiction clad only in boxer shorts and covered with tattoos, including a large gargoyle on his chest and his last name Traina on his back. Nick Traina was discovered at seven nineteen AM Traina was slumped forward on his knees with his head resting on the edge of his bed, a hypodermic syringe and a spoon containing burn residue and a cotton ball lay on the floor nearby. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I hate even reading that shit and even hearing it, but the reality of it is so raw and it's so, um, it's so sad at the same time. Um, but I I feel like we need to set, you know, the tone on, on this struggle with addiction and how serious it really is. Uh, so Stoney, let's jump in. The first question I kind of have for you, man, is how did you meet Nick? Well, you know, uh, when we we were talking about doing this and kind of crossed my mind, like how it was. And, you know, honestly, I, I met Nick at the Berkeley Square. Um, it was like 96, I believe, somewhere in there, I believe 96. Uh, I believe it was the Skate and Pickle Show or Redemption 87, somewhere. It's, you know, it's one of those bands. I don't quite remember. But I honestly, I don't even remember how we, like, got connected at the show. Like, it's kind of one of those things that's kind of just, I guess, meant to be. I, I don't know if it was like a mosh pit situation or whatever the case may have been, but, you know, just somehow that night we clicked up and I kind of hung out with them every day since, basically, you know? I mean, that's kind of basically what it was. If I joined forces with him from that day on and just got on his, uh, on the back of his train and rolled the, the, the coaster with him, dude, it was pretty crazy. So I mean, you 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 guys you guys kind of hit it off and just became homies fairly quick, from what I what I remember when you and I have talked a little bit about it before. What kind of guy was Nick? Yeah, um, Nick was rad, man. It was kind of like uh, one of those guys that just kind of intrigued you. He's different than what you know. Everything you you, you know, your basic friends that you have every day that you're out partying with, drinking, whatever in high school. You know, it's one of those dudes that just kind of stood out and. Was doing things that you didn't do every day of your life. You know what I mean? Like always, I grew up in music, but I never really seen the inside of like the punk rock scene. You know, I used to 
listened to voodoo and all that stuff in high school and then all into that. But, you know, you really, it didn't really tap into me until I met Nick and really seen the drive he had to me with it. It just kind of caught me. And I, I guess you could say <laughs> I just kind of wanted to be around that every day. You know what I mean? Like it just mesmerized me a little bit. So it came very close to them. It was one of my best friends, dude, by no doubt. Like really quick within a year, dude, like we were every day. I basically lived with them. You know what I mean? Like I was there almost every day with them. I knew his whole family. Um, it was just one of those ordeals that, you know, in that time it worked out, you know, for the better for me as a person because I've grown so much through my life just knowing that dude in the short amount of time I had him, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you, you said something too that um that you just kinda wanted to be around him and I've heard that from from a, a, a quite a few different different people and different things that I've read is that kinda he had this energy about him um that just attracted people to him. He was very charismatic and just people wanted yeah. to be around him. Um, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure too. He didn't have any trouble with the ladies, huh? Oh no, dude, that dude. <laughs> I, I I can't even explain it to you, man. That's part of the whole deal. It was just one of those whirlwinds that you just like kind of couldn't quite grasp how all this this guy could do this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it was it was huge a trip to get to know, man. Like he was very, he, you know, he he had it all, but he didn't have it all. You know, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like. In my eyes or anyone else's eyes, he, you know, he was the guy. He had everything that anybody could ever want or could get anything he ever wanted. But in, the, in his mind, it was never, you know, that way for him. You know what I mean? Like, so that's what intrigued us to see just somebody that can grasp a hold of you so easily and, you know, basically put you in this weird trance that, you know, you, you fall into and just one of those guys you learn from every day, even though I'm older than him, dude, like by maybe three or four years, he was still like, you know, taught me so much about life in general, just because of the struggles that guy had been through that I didn't even know what the hell was going on in the moments of that time. Like he would talk about things and I'd have no clue what he was talking about or what he meant or any of that, you know? Well, he, he also was manic depressant, right? Yeah, very manic. I had no idea what that was either. Like, I didn't see those signs of him. You know what I mean? Like, I was with him for day in and day out, year, for, you know, the year straight, I'd say. And I never seen that. But, you know, behind closed doors, I guess he'd find his moments where all that would come into play. And he didn't show it on stage. He didn't show it to the surrounding people. There was the, the only ones that really, really got see it you know this whole with the ones that were really close to him which family and you know there was uh, another friend he had named max and then you know obviously sammy you know i mean rest his soul he just passed away too but you know sammy was pretty close and knew a lot about it too you know as far as that went yeah it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> crazy when when you when you think about that you'd said that um i mean here's a guy who really has everything um, you know, he's charismatic, he's good looking, he's a great writer. Uh, some of, some yeah. of Nick's writing was just like, I mean, not really helped shape a lot of, a lot of my, uh, musical aspirations when I was like 14 and 15 and started listening to Link 80 and listening to Nick's lyrics. And, um, you know, he, he's the son of a famous author. And like, at the same time, um, you know, he just battles this struggle with depression and with addiction and, and really is, it's just like this fight till the death. Right. 
No, that's that's exactly what it was, man. Like I said, like looking at it now, like I had no clue what it was or where it, how bad he really was with it, how how hard he fought. But you know, the crazy thing about it, man, is he could have done anything and been in like that guy. You know, like he had it all, dude. He could have been as big as they get of a rock star, and there's no doubt about that in my mind. I'm sure in several people's minds, once they really do, you know, like. He had it, dude, and he just, you know, that he had that struggle that helped him down. That you know, that a lot of other artists that, such as Bradley Noel and other people that have been through stuff in their own right, that you know, really holds them down from their their full potential. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just sad, man. Yeah, it is. So, it is, and you know, I, I'm I'm just looking at something here. Um, I want to, I want to be fair to this and I don't know, maybe if you have any, um, any opinion on this as well in the opening article that I read, it said that Nick had died of a heroin overdose in this other article I'm reading. It says he died, uh, from a self-administered morphine overdose. So I know there was some speculation in between what is the true story on that. And, and really it doesn't fucking really matter. I I don't think, um, and I'm not pointing it out to, to try to you know, uh, debate it. I just want to be fair to, you know, the, and get the, get the story right, I guess. But, um, yeah, you know what, man, um, not to like cut you off on that, but it, that, that story, dude, like I couldn't tell you the honest to God truth because that night I was not there and yeah. I can't speak on behalf of, of him. I know this, that I, to this day is, you know, I got a phone call from him at like two thirty three in the morning that I was not awake for. And uh, several of us did, such as Joey, and uh, I know Sammy sure got probably got called, Max. There's probably tons of other people that uh, he reached out to that I know that I talked to that didn't answer. It was like, oh, maybe I'll talk to tomorrow. But that was the night, you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, everything that I was learned in that situation, you know, from the record he had left on, uh, on repeat, and... But I, you know, like I said, I wasn't there. I didn't see it from my own eyes. You know, I mean, saw what I heard that how it was all left. But you know, like that's just basically how I had to leave it. Like I don't know if. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, it, and, it, I, and I don't think anyone really, really will would know. You know, I don't think anyone's gonna no. know. And, and you know, and, I, and like I said, I I don't want to say it. That, you know, but all I will say is Nick was not stupid. Like yeah, Nick yeah. knew what he was doing. You know what I mean? Like he was one of those guys that nineteen years old was living in a forty year old mind. Like he yeah. lived there, been there, done that. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't his first time doing it. You know what I mean? And, and so many things, you know, and like I learned so much from that just because I had no idea what it was at the time. You know what so, I mean? Like So talk so take us back and talk a little bit about um, you know, being on tour, being out on the road, uh, living that lifestyle and how, what you kind of saw as the addiction kind of grabbed, grabbed a hold of Nick. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, it didn't, in the beginning, like I didn't see anything was clean and everything was rolling like pretty, you know, normally from what I would know. It's like, you know, there would come times when I would, we were in Detroit one time and this was when I was kind of like, didn't really know what was going on or what not to say, but you know, he was like, I'm going to go for a walk. You know, like three in the morning through the streets of Detroit, and I don't know if you've ever been to Detroit, but it's not somewhere you just go drive, cruise around, and walk around. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, it, you know, all of that would come into play, and it was just 
honestly, it was it started like hurting the band, you know, and because I I know that some of those guys had been through that with them before, and they knew kind of where that was going, you know what I mean? But I didn't know, so kind of I just kind of just let it ride what it was, you know what I mean? Like I just kept doing what I was getting paid to do and do my job, do the best I could do, and that was where I left it, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, there was the time though, you know, when when all of it really went down for me was when uh, we were in Milwaukee and, you know, he just basically, he had this girl on tour with him where none of us wanted him, you know, we always had a thing, no wives, no girlfriends or whatever, don't come on tour or whatever, right? Uh But he brought this girl on tour and nobody wanted her to be there. And she was one of those, uh, she was a groupie, you know, like she was really just do whatever Nick wanted to do just because she was with Nick, she was just more, you know what I mean? Like yeah. one of those, she didn't help things. And I know those were the times when like Danielle had told us that she told us what was going on with him and, you know, we needed to watch for this and that and blah, blah, blah. Well, all of that went down, you know, and it wasn't, um, kind of just kind of happened. Like we were in Milwaukee and he locked himself in the room with this girl and I don't, we don't know what he had or what he didn't have or what he was taking or whatnot. And it was just one of those decisions where we kind of, I was, you know, involved in it, which was letting his mom know, which she flew him home immediately that next day. And that's kind of was the end of Link 80 that day. You know, like that was basically, he was mad at me and mad at, you know, Aaron and a couple of other guys because we didn't, you know, just let him do his thing. Yeah, and yeah. he went to, you know, that's basically, you know, is from what I can remember, it was so clouded, you know what I mean? Like, I, I we all I remember is being in that bedroom in, in, in this guy Ben's house, you know, in, in downtown Milwaukee. And the, the rest of the tour was canceled. We hit, we all came home. As a matter of fact, like, um, I don't remember what happened between our driver because Nick always had a driver. His mom always sent um, a guy on the road with us that would drive us around to kind of more so to keep an eye on Nick, which... You know, as yeah, time went on, yeah. I figured that out, you know? Yeah, almost like but, a, like a like a coach or like just someone, a partner to look out for him. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know what happened, you know, but and Joey and Adam had gotten into some kind of beef with it. I think it's because they were partying and they wanted to party more or whatever. I don't remember. And I don't want to, you know, say something that I can't remember the facts on. But I remember them getting sent home on the train. Uh-huh. And you know, it was kind of like a weird deal for the band because we all just kind of rode home from Milwaukee, you know, in this van, just rolling, like not really knowing what was going on and didn't know where, you know, what was going to happen or what Nick Katie was going to do because, you know, Nick had flown home. We knew he was mad. We knew that he was already talking about leaving and this and that. And, you know, that's basically, you know, when I knew, like, this is, his sickness that was taking over from him. You know what I mean? And it, it was really deep because it kind of just happened out of nowhere. You know, it just didn't, it wasn't something that, uh, anyone saw coming gradually a little bit at a time. Like it was like all good. And then like a week later it was starting to get back and then bam, it just happened. And it was like really sad. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally, man. It's in it. It's, it's so, it's so crazy. Like how, how like you know you were saying he was mad at you and he was mad at Aaron or Joey and and uh, or he was just mad in general and 
it's it's crazy, man, because once that addiction grabs a hold of you, it's not so much the people that you're directly mad at. It's just you're mad at the fact that you it's fucking up your you know your your high or your ability to get high or your ability to right. leave that to leave that place. And I don't know, man. It's so crazy, like how somebody could have everything like that and have all these people love you, you know, and all and everything and then um you still are just so sick that you want to you want to release and get out of that you know out of that mind out of that state of mind it's just fucking crazy let's uh so you said that after the milwaukee thing that was kind of almost the end of link 80 at that time i know nick went on and and started a side project shortly before he passed called knowledge and one of the things that trips me the fuck out is they they i don't know if he named that album a gift before i go or was that named after he passed Dude, this, this is what's crazy about that, okay? Like, so I know, like, you know, I was with Nick every day, and all he did was write and doodle and do all this crazy stuff. Well, he had books and books and books and books of lyrics. And, you know, it was like he came home from that tour or from that moment in Milwaukee, went to his rehab, uh, did his time that he had to do there, which was like a week, and then he just came home came out then all of a sudden he was back to normal nick where he was just focused on what he was going to do and like he knew what he was going to do man like if you think about it like he recorded that record within like seven days man yeah that's everything crazy. That's you know crazy. what i mean and and it's not like it it, it, it it wasn't like they just came in they they those songs were like ready to roll like right off the case and he just went and hired i wouldn't say hired but he went and picked up friends of ours that you know turned on to being from other bands you know and some of them are still around some of them i haven't talked to in years but that's basically you know he just went and got them to play on the record and they went in and mike picked it up and put it out and then bam you know so i I know i know i know you can't say um you know for certain i don't think anybody can but i feel like we're kind of or you're kind of implying that that this like you said, he wasn't stupid and, and he, he knew what the fuck he was doing. Do you kind of think that like he pushed to get this thing recorded real quick and then uh, titled it and then knew what was coming next that he, he just, he didn't want to be here anymore. You, you want my personal opinion? Yeah, I, I yeah. think, I think so. I think Nick was having a rough time, you know what I mean? And in his own self and, you know, like people like me that loved him, and cared about him and, and, you know, at the end of the day, pretty much looked up to him. Um, we didn't understand him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I didn't know how to be his friend in that way. You know what I mean? Like, I'd never been through that before. So, you know, like, he he went and did it the best way he knew how, you know? And that's go and put it on paper, pen and paper, which you know that you're great at that, too. You know, we've all been there, done that, you know? And that's how he sent the message out. Like enough is enough. And yeah. you know, I can't, I can't feel this pain anymore, you know, cause I remember having a conversation with him prior to all that. And I remember him, he came to my, my parents' house there in Vacaville. I tripped out because, you know, here I go to his house, his mom's house. She's, you know, they got all these things. It's all these nice extravagant things, you know, like, he could have anything he wanted, you know, Link 80 in 96 had more merchandise than no effects. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? But yeah, that, that's the yeah. truth. It's like, it was so crazy, but 
you know, he told me, he's like, look, man, like, I would do anything to have your life. And, you know, like, that's always stuck with me because at the time I never really grasped a hold of what he really meant by that until now. You wow. know what I mean? Like, that's crazy, bro. Having a nor- uh, just a normal life, normal family, like me and you, you know, just that are around, you know, his yeah. mom being famous and all, you know, like. I didn't know any of it. I mean, I got a little taste of it, you know, once he did pass and we had to deal with people calling, like hard copy calling us and trying to get us to do interviews and talk bad about them or good about them or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? Like, like all of that was a reality to me at the time, but it, I was so like, his shock still is such a blur. I didn't talk to anybody. You know, I still really never talked. You're the first person I really had a good depth of conversation with about it because I know. You know I, I, I mentioned that in the in the intro. You know, I, I was telling you I pre-recorded the intro, and I kind of mentioned that too. I mean, I know we we've had a few times like driving home or whatever that, that we've kind of thrown it around and talked a little bit about it. But um, you know, that's kind of why I wanted to to do this and re and revisit this and and kind of kind of get it out there again because I think it's so important. He was such a um, he was such a charismatic and and just good good guy that that had everything and then just yeah, the, the deep the deep depression man is just it's it's no fucking joke you know what i mean it's no joke no. And i don't understand it um it's 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 really hard to understand especially when you when you're dealing with it with someone that you love um but i think the most important thing is just trying to be there for our friends and family you know yeah and and like i said like now like if i knew then what i know now it, you know i mean I would have been there for that phone call or, you know what I mean? Like I probably would have never left the side knowing that, you know, like this guy needs that security, you know, he needs to know he's got those friends that do care and, 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 and whatnot. And, you know, I, I did the best I could for, you know, how old I was where I didn't party around him at all. Like I would smoke weed or do any of those things that we did in those days, you know, but back then, you know, like we were dumb. And I didn't, yeah. we didn't get it. And we would do things that would set him off. Like Nick was one of those guys that just, he can't go and, and have a beer or, you know, you know how it is, you know, like yeah. you, you can't just do those things. You can't just. We don't understand just thing. having one one beer, like that old saying, like one one's too many and a thousand's not enough. It, you know, we just it, continue. That's what happened in Milwaukee. Like he got high smoking weed and then he wanted more. And you know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't believe him. I thought it was like, yeah, whatever, dude. You're just talking out your ass, like, you know, like, oh, any one of us would do. Because all I've ever seen is people, you know, do the stuff that we did in high school, getting high with weed and drinking and such as that. I've never seen anybody in depth, like, in the trenches with it. You know what I mean? Like, that was the only guy that woke me up to, like, wow, you know? Like, that's what I mean. Like, I learned so much from that dude. Just, like, I never knew right then and there like that is no joke i would never put myself in that situation so like you know like it made me person i am today where like i never tried anything hard or never got into anything just because you know i carried that dude's casket man and and he was too young like it was like it's no joke that you know like nick was brightest started and you know full of life on stage but you know like as soon as we close that door dude he's by himself if it's just this this sad person that just you know like if you really listen to that song on that knowledge record it's like that hidden track yeah very the last song. N- nat i think it's called 
Yeah, I mean, dude, like, if you really listen to those lyrics, dude, he wrote that when he was 10. You know, and... That's crazy. You think about that. Dude, 10 years old, man, and that's what he's writing. Yeah, you know I, I, I mean, like... I uh, I recommend to to uh, the folks listening out there check that album out. It's called Knowledge: A Gift Before I Go. I think you can find it pretty much anywhere on on iTunes um, or Amazon, uh, even YouTube if you want to check it out on there. Um, it's a it's a great album. And uh, Stony, we got a few minutes left. What what I want to ask you real quick is um, I know you know I I know that um, Nick had the issues with depression and, and all the stuff that we've talked about. I also know too that Nick was a funny motherfucker and he liked to play practical jokes and he liked to fuck around. Can you uh can you remember oh, yeah. anything in particular that was just fucking yeah. comedy about him that some of the shit that he would do? He would always fucking do shit to us or in the van on tour or Didn't he put like a dead fish or something? Huh? Didn't he put like a dead fish or something or was that was that voodoo? Well no, that was afterwards. That was oh. that we all kind of got that kind of like started with Nick and he would do like little jokes with um with certain people in the band and certain friends of his and we'd be at his house and he would do shit or whatnot, you know? And just you know, it it, it kinda brought that tradition once Link eighty like formed into what it was ninety seven until like Ryan took over then. You know, I wasn't there those years, but you know, like we were we we made the best of it. You know what I mean? Like I think like those those times that that that, that year that we did ninety seven after Nick passed was like probably the the craziest year for all of us because we became we had to come so far so quick. Like we yeah. I never done anything like that. You know what I mean? Like and I just kinda jumped in and did it because Everyone that was trying out just didn't work, and I could see it. You know, it was like, no, hell no. If James gonna do it, like, that, that's my homie. You know what I mean? Yeah. But and you'd already you been know, on, like you'd already been on the road. You knew all the songs. Yeah, I already like that, knew so all that. It was so like perfect. Everything like we like us as a family in that time, we brought all of like Nick was always on the road with us. Like all those little pranks and and, and things you would do to like fuck with you, like. Like jerking off in the back of the van, you know what I mean? <laughs> to get pissed off and doing shit that's just, yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, shit like that. You don't think, like, I would never fucking think about doing that or whatever or yeah. making, uh, betting Matt to do it, like, jerk off in the back <laughs> to the van for $20 or whatever. Just, you would do some crazy shit, bro. And it was like, it was very, uh, it's hard to explain because, you know, I can't remember everything, but I guess he was one of those dudes yeah. that made, he made was, it fucking awesome. He was fun, huh? He was fun. Yeah, he was fun, bro. Like he made, like I said, dude, I didn't know. Like I, I the Nick I knew was not that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I always knew him as this happy go lucky dude that was fucking dude. Just love, love living life, love doing what he did. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, like honestly, like that's kind of where like he's still alive, and a lot of people yeah. did it. So it's trippy to hear, see, like, I still see, like, the craziest things online and, and stuff that I just blows my mind, man, that these people even, you know, I remember, you know, getting, like, fan mail back in the day and reading this stuff and, it's like, from, like, grandmothers writing us letters, like, saying they're sorry for this. And it was just so crazy how outbound he actually became a household name. A lot of it had to do with his mom, obviously, but, you know, like, 
like I said, it didn't matter. Like it was a very intriguing fit. Once you, you know, read the book or, or hear about them, you just want more. And, you know, like there's so many countries and so many things that's happened in life that in the last 20 years, dude, that well, I, people have dedicated to that guy and stuff. It's the crazy. I think that I think like like you said, and I've thought this for a very long time, just from my personal experiences. Even though I didn't personally know Nick, um, he was the type of guy that that even if you didn't personally know him, you felt like you personally knew him, and he exactly. he, he touched so many people, and um, yeah. you know, all like you said, all around the world. Um, so let yeah. let's let's kind of leave leave with this too, man. I want to ask you, Stone, like. Um, there's a lot of people listening out there that, that may have somebody that they love, um, you know, a family member, a friend, uh, even maybe just somebody at work that they know that's struggling with addiction. That's not, you know, that's not doing well. And they, they can see it, uh, just like many of us can see it in our friends. And just like you could kind of see it, Nick, that something wasn't right. Um, just from your personal experience, man, and, and going through this, knowing Nick, um, kind of learning from him and, and knowing what you know now, what would you say to those people out there that are listening that, that might be going through some of the same things and um, and, and are looking for answers on, on what the hell they could do? Honestly, man, like, uh, you can't fix it for them. Like, you know, like, it's, it's one of those things people get angry at the person because they are you know, still using or they were used again or whatever the case may be. And, you know, like, honestly, like I lived it, I seen it. Like he, I don't, I know in my heart and I believe in my heart that Nick did not want to use. It just took over his life and, and the depression that people get into with it and such and so forth. Like it's so powerful. And all you can do is just be there for him and show that, that you're never going to leave, leave hanging you're always going to be there for them. When they knock down, you go pick them back up and you just help them through and hope and pray that they realize it, like, such as yourself, that, you know what, I just, I have to do this for myself. Like, all these people care and they, you know, but I'm the one that has to make it happen. And, you know, it, 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 the struggle just is it, so hard. Like, some win and some don't. And you can't, you can't force it on anything. You can't, yelling at people or not talking to them, that's probably the worst thing you can do. You know, like, just be their homie. Just show them you love them, man, and stand by them the best you can. I know it's hard, especially when you love them. You see it every day. It's very hard because, you know, like, I've seen it with other friends um, in the past that have been very hardcore into some gnarly stuff. It was tough for me to be their friend. Honestly, you know, because I had already buried one of my closest friends. The last thing I want to do is bury another one. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, I would, you know, like, not to mention any names, but, you know, I I would go and pick him up at his house, take him out to the woods. You know, that would keep him on the straight path for a couple days. And even those couple days, you know, or, you know, you may not have had those couple days had you not, you know, done that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you never know. Yeah. No, I know it's so, it's tough, man. It's tough, and I think that's. Uh, I appreciate you you speaking from the heart, man, and being real because that's some of the best advice, man, that I think that anybody could give is just be there and uh, and and if you see a homie knock down, pick him back up, and uh, yeah. you know I I know it is. It's hard to. 
it's hard to not get mad. You know, that's one of the, the, the hardest things because it's like, come on, just you want to knock some sense into the person. But really, it's a sickness. It's a disease. And it it fucking takes your soul. Um, yeah. Stony, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, you know, this this episode is dedicated to Nick Trainer, May 1st, 1978 to September 20th, 1997. Stone, thanks a lot, my brother. I appreciate you uh, you coming on and sharing with us today. Uh, thank you for having me, man. It feels good to talk about that dude, man. You know? ATRC, bro. A-T- you got it on your arm, right? I do, man. ATRC against the rest crew. Good luck, everybody out there. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean. This has been another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast on Recovery Radio with Shane Rayner. For more information, visit www.thatsoberguy.com. Or you can email Shane at sobriety at thatsoberguy.com. Thanks again for listening and enjoy a sober, healthy, happy life.